0: Welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV for the 13th of July, 2020. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by our Senior Property Economist, Calvin Davidson, down in Christchurch. Calvin, how's things, mate? Yes, yes, very good,
1: thank you, yep. Uh, you know, I had a nice weekend, we had some good weather and um, had a bit of family visiting, so yeah,
0: the time went pretty fast, Feels uh, not long since I was last at work, but I um, no, going good. How are yourself? Yeah, nice mate. Yeah, good, good. Had a good weekend. Pretty busy Saturday with lots of funo stuff, um, and then kept it off yesterday afternoon. Getting down to the stadium to watch the Canes uh, play against the Highlanders, which was which was interesting. Obviously a low scoring game, but still you know pretty entertaining. Um, you know, took the whole whanau down. The kids you know pretty much just only cared that they got donuts really. Um, but then of course the rain set in just as we left the stadium, so we had a bit of a mad dash. at you know, 6 o'clock, or whatever it is, half past 5, 6 o'clock with three children um, trying to get back to the car in the rain, which made things interesting. But um, no, it was all good. But I really got to say, from a rugby's perspective, uh, managed to catch most of the, the Crusaders versus the Blues game. Um, and, you know, I was pretty encouraged by the Blues' performance to take on take on those Cantabs. But yeah, as per usual, the juggernaut rolls on for the Cantabs and, and they did what they do in that last 20. And some pretty amazing rugby, some silky skills from... Kiwiana took it for them, um, but yeah, maybe sets up that final game of the season where the Blues host the Crusaders. So let's hope there's something riding on that one for the competition.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, just you know, look, running some of those calculations before we started this, and it looks like it uh, looks like it'll take somebody to win in Christchurch to, to put something on the line for that their last game. So who knows? Maybe the Hurricanes in a couple of weeks could uh, could tip them up, but yeah the the fra it seems to be that phrase uh, sort of ruthless efficiency around the crusaders it's um yeah you just got to make no mistakes and and the old cliche play for eighty minutes it's it seems to be all about that and and um so yeah, it'll take a pretty big pretty big effort from somebody, but who knows records are there to be broken right so
0: yeah bring it on yep to to right to right man you throw enough cliches in that sentence to last us a week, mate So, well done <laughs> game, of t- game of two halves. and
1: all that, yeah. <laughs>
0: The boys tried their best. Yeah, good on you. Um, Stick to processes and,
1: um,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. The game is, isn't it one up front and then uh, the backs decide by how much or something? Yeah, all those ones. Love it. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's get into some some property stuff, eh? Um, I want to touch on the early market indicators report first this week. Surprise, surprise. Um, I kind of say not too much to report on, but... Last week, we did see a minor lift in appraisals generated by agents, um, actually up 2% on the prior week. So I'd still say it's pretty much seasonally typical, but it is interesting to see things hold up nonetheless, I think. So, yeah, but then when you flick through to valuations, um, those valuations ordered by the banks are starting to trend down now as well. So we may be seeing the listing side of things, supply side of things, hold up a little bit better um, in this, winter, this first winter month. We may not see the same demand come through from the bank's perspective. So if there's a little bit of a you know mix in, in how those two things balance out, it could be interesting to see how things play out for the rest of winter. Um, when we do actually look at new listings coming to market, which were holding quite high, um, but I thought it was worth looking at total listings as well because we always talk about the number of new listings. Really interested to see how many people are going to list their property. Were they listing it, you know, as we talked about from those surveys in the past, for the wrong reasons because they had financial difficulty or otherwise? I want to look at how many properties are actually on the market overall, because that's really going to tell you about the overall health of the listing situation and whether prices are likely to increase or decrease. Um, you know, I suppose the one that the bucks, the trend and it has for a wee while is Auckland. And it is well down on last year, but that was after a, a long period where listings had been growing for um, a couple of years, really. And that will ensure the level of prices, uh, pressure on prices, sorry, if, if demand holds up. So the fact that we've seen that drop in listings, demand holds up, you should actually see prices still hold up to some degree in Auckland because we're so so far behind where we were last year. Um, after a good couple of years, we saw listings start to improve. Elsewhere, um, the trend has been tracking down over the last few years, it sort of plateaued last couple of years after it had dropped away three or four years ago, um, and they're really holding at those all-time low levels, so there's still not much stock for sale which is another reason we're sort of seeing things insulated at the moment. We have seen a little lift in the wider Otago region, sorry. Um, Canterbury Wellington remained at those low levels we'd seen previously. While Waikato and Bay of Plenty have been trending upwards over the last year or so. So I'd probably expect prices to hold up in those places where listings remain low, i.e. Like Canterbury and Wellington, um, and not so much in those where we've seen those numbers increasing. So yeah, we'll continue to watch that one. But we do need to, I suppose, continue to pay attention to what's happening with listings for, you know, that short-term direction of where prices might go to. And then just rounding that out, I want to talk about rental listings as well. Um, I'd call it either flat or slightly down, but again, mostly following that seasonal normality. Um, In fact, I think you discussed the situation across the Otago region for someone in the media uh, late last week that was in the papers over the weekend or online over the weekend. Um, yeah, yeah. Journalist from the ODT or Otago Daily Times, he, he was chatting about that. Had, so
1: his anecdotal evidence from from people he had spoken to in the Queenstown market was there had actually been quite a rise, and um, so really starting to feel a bit of a bit of pressure in Queenstown in terms of those rental listings. And so, yeah, uh, again, it's 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 probably we, we're measuring. We've got these figures for the Otago region, which which kind of look normalish and um, his, his feedback from on the ground within Queenstown was was that things look perhaps a bit worse than that so yeah there's, there's always going to be um, you know different regional patterns and, and we, we really need to dig into that TA level information I guess but yeah it's um,
0: yeah probably a little bit concerning for the Queenstown market I'd say. Yeah yeah I think maybe not unexpected but um, interesting to see that that data come through nonetheless I think previously we'd sort of seen these ups and downs occur in places even of like, like Otago region. Um, but it was actually quite typical compared to the year before as well. And the only one that when I was looking through the regional charts was actually the one that caught my eye was, was the recent jump in Taranaki, where there was quite a strong lift um, you know, three or four weeks ago that held up quite high. Um, but it has now dropped back down to normal levels. So maybe, maybe that you know that lift in new listings will cause a bit of an oversupply in that in that region, um, and we'll continue to watch for that one. But things have reduced back down, so maybe now back into normal levels. So those overall number of rental listings likely to have lifted, so you might see some some downward pressure in rental prices happen in the Taranaki region. And um, I don't know if there's anything else from the overall early market indicators report. Otherwise, um, I know that you were looking at the the rental figures that are, that are put out by MB for June in terms of the bonds that are held. Was there anything else from a rental perspective that you picked up on? Yeah, the, the MB figures showed a bit of a slowdown in rental growth. So still rent's rising,
1: uh, but the, the growth slowed between May and June. So it was, it was 5.5% annually in the year to May, it slowed to 4.8% in June. So a bit of a slowdown, but still, still ticking along at that 5% mark that it tends to do. Uh, so nothing sort of too dramatic there. Um, but I, I guess if the GFC is anything to go by, you know, we're going to see rental growth slow further during this recession. So that'll be you know, clearly something for landlords to, to keep an eye on. And I think more generally, uh, if you think of some of the things that have driven capital values or, or property prices for for invest, well for the market as a whole, but, but certainly investment returns over the last little while, big fall interest rates, um, shift to two-income households, some of these things can't be repeated. So I guess, you know, thinking very long term here, it could be that investors really do need to focus on that, that rental side of things and minimising costs, uh, as opposed to generating a lot of return from from capital gains. So it could be a sort of, you know, get down to the nuts and bolts type approach to, to really generate those returns. Um, so unfortunately, in that environment with rental growth potentially slowing, that might just get a bit harder. So So yeah, definitely interesting times ahead for investors.
0: Yeah, really good point. And I suppose that is why we're so interested in the rental listings market, the overall rental market, when previously probably hadn't been, you know, too too focused on it. Um, it's this this change in the market, which is really causing us to pay way more attention to that area. So great to we get that data, And as you said, we need to just get that next level of granularity as well and get down to the TA level to really get into some of those insights um, at that level as well. Um, yes, I like that. And then uh, relative positivity from the preliminary ANZ Business Confidence Survey for, for July, which was out last week as well. Yeah,
1: that's a good well, good way of putting it,
0: relative positivity, because it's still, it's
1: still low. There's, you know, there's no getting away from that. It's still low, but has bounced back recently okay. And some of the indicators, not so far off where they were, say, this time last year. So actually, I guess it, it is like a range of other things. It seems like some economic indicators have And property market indicators for that matter are kind of normal. You you might say actually taking a step back, but not too bad. But of course we all know there's some big bigger hurdles to come. So I suppose we we're kind of operating normal ish for now, but we've got to face up to you know wage subsidies ending and all these pressure points that we know are coming later in the year. So kind of okay for now, but let's let's um
0: you know not signal the all
1: clear just yet.
0: Yeah, no, fair play. And then just rounding out stuff for last week, your uh, weekly post looked at the apartment market, tried to take a little bit of a break outside of everything COVID-19. Um, what's, your, what's your sort of outtake and what's going on in that that space? Yeah, this is looking at uh, apartments
1: new versus old and um, focusing mostly on Auckland because that's where all the apartments are pretty much or, or the, the biggest market. Um, and really the, the key messages of, First home buyers seem to be using apartments as a way in, and it's something we've talked about before. There's nothing kind of new, but it's good to see that uh, you know just confirmed again in the figures. So for uh, for existing apartments, uh, they had about a ten percent market share going back two or three years ago. This is in Auckland. That's now risen to fifteen. So so first home buyers getting more into that existing apartment market, um, but it's probably the new build apartment market where the big shifts come. And so need to bear in mind that the volumes. Are down because of COVID, and so you know we're working with a smaller sample, so that's the caveat to keep in mind. But but so far this year, first home buyers have actually been the biggest group for new apartments in Auckland. They've taken a 29% market share this year so far in that quarter market. So um, yeah, it's it's um, interesting that they're finding their way in. I guess the LVR rules and and the exemptions that you had for buying. New apartments could be a could be a factor behind that for first home buyers, as well as just cheaper entry price compared to other types of property could be a could be a driver too. But yeah, interesting. that first home buyers are, are seemingly using it as a way into the market. So um,
0: yeah, look it up. Yeah, yeah. I think that it does reflect you know a changing situation. If it's first home buyers that used to live overseas, um, you know, and they're actually acceptable of apartment living. You know, they don't want to have to worry about commute, especially if you're in Auckland as well and you want to live close ish to town. Um, You know, very difficult to do in your own home. So then you go, well, we'll just live right in town and and buy an apartment and, you know, see it. Maybe, um, you know, the long term goal might be to actually get a house, but if your stepping stone is let's buy an apartment, create some equity, you know, pay off your mortgage, start to pay off some of your mortgage before you can then, you know, move further out later on, maybe that's part of the plan too. And just so it's maybe different changing demographics and, and, and mindset of people in New Zealand as well. So probably lots of things at play there. Uh, but as you say, nice to be able to back it up with some stats and, and um, got the full pulse out there, which is always published on the website if anyone's interested to go and read the full download on that one. Um, cool, yeah. mate. Well, actually, before we move on to what's coming up, the other thing I did want to talk about was the fact that we, we finalised sort of version two of our regional property vulnerability report. Um, we haven't pushed this one out publicly at the moment. We're sort of providing it to clients. And so I just wanted to give a little plug there, really rating each of the different TAs, different cities or towns, if you like, as to how vulnerable they are to a, to a price drop in property. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that one's gonna go 20 and one's gonna go 5% down, or that some won't go down at all. Just looking at the, the scale of vulnerability for each different area um, and put that in a nice report and made it available to clients too. So if you are listening, and you are a client of ours and you want to get hold of that, please just get in touch with us um, You know, or, or your account director if you've got someone else you deal with at CoreLogic. Just get in touch and we can obviously provide that that report through to you as well to get a feel for what's happening across the country and sort of how we've rated or ranked each of the different areas for, for property vulnerability on that one as well. Yeah, cool.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I, I personally put in a fair amount of work in that, so I'd say, yeah, it's a good thing and uh, go, go find it. I guess a general um, sort of, a ge- you know, a very high-level summary would be that tends to be the the smaller provincial centres that kind of look less vulnerable. Um, I guess broader economies and perhaps um, affordability hasn't got as 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 bad, or as, as de- hasn't deteriorated as much as some of those main centres. Whereas the ones who came in a bit lower on the scale we do tend to be those centres with some more international tourism and maybe affordability has declined a bit. So that's a general overview, but obviously lots more detail
0: in there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we know that you know things we were expecting to see, like Queenstown rating really badly, um, came true in, in our rankings as well. You know, worth maybe even touching on the fact that, and we've had this question since we released the report to, to one of our clients, was about the T.Y. Point aluminium smelter, of course, and how that would impact the local economy down south. Including the property market. And I think that, you know, actually we pointed out in our um, our media release for the house price index at the start of last week before the TY Point information came out that we, we did note they were heavily exposed um, to any big change in, in the TY Point um, smelter due to so many people having jobs there. And anyone that's got a job in the smelter, it's part of the Southland district, but many people live in Invercargill. Um, you know, those people, if they did lose their job and have to find something somewhere else, if they get it locally, then fine, but many might have to move away as well, which might mean an oversupply of property, or reduction in demand, and so might leave the property prices exposed in that area as well. So some of those areas that have a heavy reliance on one industry, is another one with the paper mill there, um, a heavy reliance on one industry, one factory, whatever it might be, and we're always going to show up quite high at that left-hand side of the most vulnerable, that run true. Um, and Queenstown's obviously the, the most obvious one with its heavy reliance on, on tourism industry as well. So yeah, there's some stuff that backs up most people's common thinking, but um, gives you a full ranking across every single area. And as you said, interesting to see some of the really small areas, broader-based economies, don't look as vulnerable, having had a major change in affordability. So yeah, some really cool detail in there. Anyone can get hold of it, so as I said, you know, for client directors to get hold of them. But, you know, if you're an investor, um, you know, you can still get in touch with us. We're happy to provide it to you as well. So. Just just ask the question. Um, so, cool, man. So, otherwise, this week, what do we got? We're expecting Ryan stats, I think, tomorrow, maybe Wednesday. Um, and, you know, the key thing, obviously, we look for is how many um, reported agent sales they, they tell us about for June. So, how many agent sales went through in June? Track that one. I'm expecting, I reckon, pretty close to similar levels to prior year. Um, but we shall see, I suppose. You know, we have some new 80% down in April. 45% down in May, I'd expect to get somewhere back close to normality, maybe only 10 or 20% below June last year, but um, we'll wait and see on that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, cool, and, and, and you know, we haven't really changed, we might have to tinker with it as we get closer to the end of the year, just given the mathematics, but still got that general view that we will see sales down about 25% in 2020 compared to 2019, so um, some of those massive falls that we saw in April and May will, will kind of average out as we get closer to the end of the year but yeah still a,
0: still a pretty quiet year for, for sales yeah. yeah exactly mass disruption right it's going to take a while to get back to that so yeah absolutely and then from an economic perspective May I know there's a few you'll be looking out for um, which I might throw a few questions at you but do you want to run through what you're looking out for this week?
1: Yeah so net migration for May is, is due out tomorrow this net being Tuesday and um yeah, so really, as we've said for a few weeks now, it's all about the kiwi balance and and in particular the returning Kiwis coming back coming back here, obviously you've got to do a few weeks in quarantine, but um, yeah, that's that's the that's the key balance and potentially people coming back with a bit of equity maybe can buy into the property market, uh, but either way, whether they're going into rental or owner occupation it's it's going to boost property demand so so that's one that we've been keeping an eye on and, and, and be watching for tomorrow. And then we've got uh, the CPI inflation figures on Thursday. And So I guess relevance for the property market is, is around interest rates. And you know, in normal times, that, that inflation figure will feed through to the Reserve Bank's decision about what they're going to do with the official cash rate, and that feeds through to mortgage rates. Um, but the Reserve Bank has a dual mandate now, so uh, the CPI inflation is part of it, but also maximum sustainable employment as part of it too. And I suspect uh, the Reserve Bank won't actually be too concerned about inflation at the moment. They, they'll just do its thing. What they're really worried about is what's happening happening on the employment side of things. And, and so, you know, as we see unemployment rise, that's where their their reason for action is coming from, I guess. And and what they'll, they'll or the expectation is that they'll do more quantitative easing, and so the idea there is to just help the economy that way. So, um, so yeah, that figures out on Thursday. But as I say, monetary policy probably at the moment much more dictated by the labor market side rather than the inflation side.
0: And so, when from the inflation perspective, as you say, if that quantitative easing program extends, that would likely push inflation up, right?
1: Well, yeah, that would be the that would be the theory at normal times. I suppose at the moment. You know, inflation's being swamped by so many other factors that are that are keeping prices down in the economy. I mean, look at okay, FPs might be rising again now, but during lockdown there was you know FPs slumped and petrol prices slumped and all these things. So there's there's so many moving parts to inflation, um, but and just a generally subdued global economy kind of keeps inflation low around the world. and So there's lots of different things, but yeah, in ordinary times, all else equal, uh, as you get. As you get more monetary stimulus, um, that's the idea. That then, in a weak economy, you, you pump more money in, inflation kicks back up again, and then it sort of helps stimulate things. What you don't want is inflation going negative and, and getting into that downward spiral of, of people thinking, "Oh, well, I'm not going to spend anything now because in a month's time it might be cheaper." So um, it sounds a bit sounds a bit weird to to um, to want inflation, but you know, in, in the ideal world, you have some inflation, but not too much. And because uh, you don't want prices falling, really, because then people stop spending altogether, and you get into that spiral. So, yeah, it's uh, it's um, can get a bit uh, it's uh, you know subjective judgment on some of these things by the central banks. But um, yeah, that's that's the theory anyway.
0: Oh, gotcha, makes a lot of sense. And then um, our our fancy new not ours, but the uh, the nice new monthly economic measure for June, which will be really interesting. And We know that that's the one that's a joint measure number of government agencies which give us a really early heads up on gdp so that'll give us a feel for q2 gdp even though they've said it's not a preemptive measure of gdp
1: yeah it measures and it'll it'll give an indication at least you know that's that's the thing they've, they've been at pains to say that it covers different things and is measured differently and all this stuff but um, it's still measuring economic activity and you know, in principle it's sort of a similar thing. So yeah, it was down, down 19% year on year in April and down 6% year on year in May. So it will be interesting to see whether it gets closer to zero in June and, um, you know, therefore we'll have a pretty good guide on, on what GDP is supposed to be for Q2. We won't know that for another few months. and um, we will have had another few of these monthly indicators by then. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, uh, it, it'll definitely one that's definitely be one that's watched and, um, hopefully uh, gets, gets closer to that, that sort of magical zero or, or um, same as last year. So yeah, that's, that's Joe out end of the week. I think that's Friday.
0: Yeah, cool. Okay, well, that could be a really good indication for, you know, like I said, if we are back to some level of normality, certainly what we've been talking about the property market last week or so, that all these measures are looking relatively normal for this time of the year. Um, and it's relatively normal because it's not perfectly normal. Um, and that could certainly be a really good indication of the economy, being some way back to normal, accepting the fact that, yes, there's going to be large chunks of the economy which aren't anywhere near normal, especially those reliant on international migration and tourists. So, yeah, it's going to be made up differently, but certainly could be somewhere back there. So that'll be be certainly interesting to to keep a track of. Um, Otherwise, this week, I think it's just a few things we're getting done. So I'm filming the monthly video on Wednesday um, to try and keep everything down to a sort of five-minute take. Uh, worthwhile getting out there and obviously if you if you do see that one and check that one out please feel free to share that one around your um circles um otherwise i think that we're still trying to line someone up for a valuations pod is what i want to call it um, looking at you know what the different valuations out there and how they all it and what do they mean um hopefully soon so i'll chase a few people up this week otherwise we did get a question on instagram which i got notified of this morning it was around inspections to a property so i want to just get some um, you know, probably some expert to answer that one rather than us, who look more at the, the broader market perspective. So, i just want to acknowledge that question and say, yep, we'll come back to that one when we get an opportunity. Um, otherwise, mate, is there anything else top of mind for you that's going on at the moment or interesting? No, I think we've covered
1: everything again. Hopefully, the only thing from a from a personal perspective and a core logic perspective, we're working on the our big sort of set piece quarterly and and property market report that that runs to quite a few pages and covers off all of the things you need to know. So yeah, look out for that within sort of a couple of weeks' time on the website and via email.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully listeners are aware of that report. We do it every single quarter, set measures that we're tracking, um, all the main stuff. But I think worth noting this time around, we've gone, we have to do a special COVID edition. So there'll be a few new charts in there. We'll refresh the look of it um, and get a really good feel for how things have behaved come the end of June um, compared to the last time we published a report. So it should be a really good overview of exactly what has happened in that last three months. Um, which will be a good little, you know, maybe desktop publication for people or you know one that you bookmark on your internet browser as well. Just check back every now and then when you go, I'm sure I saw that stat somewhere and we'll we'll throw it into this report anyway. So yeah, good call out on that one too. Brilliant. Brilliant mate. All right thanks for that mate we um, better crack on for the day so thanks for your insight also uh, you know a few little economic things there which is nice to get the insight to so thanks for that Uh, leads me to say thanks for listening please do subscribe rate review and share the pod Um, great to get us out there even further if possible please do get in touch we talked about you know looking at the valuation stuff I'm keen to hear more questions about what people want to hear about Um, all those details are available in whichever podcast player you're listening to us through otherwise I will leave it there Thank you very much. And we will speak to you next week. Bye.